Welcome to episode five of the How We See Things podcast. Um, first off, we'd like to apologize for what might be like some audio technical difficulties mm-hmm. in the last episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, we're, we're, we're basically, you know, like two guys uh, pulling this. We're going like, to need to re-upload. We're going to need to re-upload. By, by its bootstraps. <laughs> um, and, you know, we're, we're, we're making it up as we go. But, you know, content is king. And we're trying to make sure we're here for you guys as much as possible. Um, so I have an... And almost as, or maybe equally spicy topic for Dan today, we're going to be discussing capitalism, um, but specifically in the Nigerian or in the um, African context. But I guess, like for the purpose of this conversation, we would limit it to Nigeria. Um, in theory, in theory, Nigeria is a capitalist society. That is, um, Nigeria, in, in Nigeria, basically, uh, the government doesn't control the means of industry or production. Um, you're allowed to own private property. And, um, this and, is all very, very, very theoretical. I must yeah, say. yeah. In, in theory, the market sets prices. Um, but anyone who knows anything about um, Nigeria, and as in any society, you also need government's permission to do things in any yep. economy. Um, you need to get licenses. You need to interact with the government one way or the other. Um, government regulates many aspects of business um, in societies. And so, like, you know, the government also plays a role here, um, yep. which you know, brings us to the first, I guess, like tension that exists um, in our minds here or for people to consider. Uh, now, as people of the left, or I would say as someone on the left, um, generally for government regulation, um, I'm generally for, or I generally believe that the government has a role to play in making sure that the market is fair, in making sure that the um, search for of profits by companies um, you know, remains honest and ethical, that in their search to make profits, companies don't cut corners or um, exploit people, basically. Yep. But in Nigeria, that's not entirely how regulation works. So my first question to, to Dan is if he shares um, the same beliefs that I do about like the role of, of regulations in the markets, how, how, do, how, how, do, how do you reconcile like that tension? Well, I think firstly, you know, thank you, Statesman X, for finally, you know, acknowledging what we've all known all along for the last five episodes. Um, <laughs> uh, your, 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 your political leanings. I think... News flash. <laughs> oh, just, just, okay. just to differentiate, um, I, I would count myself to be uh, in the centre. Um, rather than um, to the left, because some of my, I guess, economic ideologies um, mm. rather lie in the free market zone. Um, and as such, my views on regulation, whilst I do think that regulation is essential um, for the broader market in general, I do think, oh, sorry, for, for you know, for, things like monetary policy and, and fiscal policy. I, I do think, however, that um, there should be a, an element of liberalism in, in the way that actual companies operate within the system. So it's a bit more of a nuanced point, but generally, how does that factor in the Nigerian system? Yeah, that's that's it's, tension. It's very I'm, difficult. I'm that's the tension I'm asking us to explore. So if, if, if I can add some, some colour to it, um, here mm-hmm. in the West or in the US, I'm for um, the government tightened the screws a bit because we know here the society is sophisticated enough, uh, the market is sophisticated enough for you know um, predatory lending to have some um, disastrous consequences. So we've, we've reached a point of production or employment to where you know anything after that, like the freedom, becomes counterproductive. And in the Nigerian context, we haven't gotten to that point yet. Um, so it's the regulations, possibly that are, um, you know, stifling uh, production and we need like, you know, a more lucid, I guess, like approach. Yeah, no, I, 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 like I said, I think 
based on my position that I've set out, um, I think that that's the answer. The problem is who are the arbiters of this regulation in Nigeria? Um, are the bodies that need to do this, are they strong enough? Is there enough vested power in yeah. the organizations that need to regulate the markets or the actions of private enterprise? Uh, do they, do they have, have they been vested with the right powers firstly? And second, is that power applied properly? Um, I know we might delve into taxation, for example, um, you know, we both, you know, you live in the US, I'm in the UK, where within, and we must stress, Nigeria is a just 60 something year old country. It's a baby. It's, you know, if you look at the UK when it was 60 years old, you know, go back to your history. This and the US, these are hundreds and hundreds of years in the making. So to compare countries, that's something that we wouldn't do here. It's, it's just not productive if you're looking at that. But what we can look at as spot uh, trends, we can spot trends, right? And if you look at things like taxation, for example, you're talking about a progressive system in, in the countries that we've mentioned before, where you have um, graduated scale. So from zero to 10 or whatever, there's, there's like levels of taxation in terms of income yeah. tax now, right? Or even corporation tax, right? So, and there's even things like VAT, which are, obviously there's VAT in the Nigerian context as well, but how is that applied? So I think what I'm thinking about firstly is even enforcement. That's my main issue. Because the main issue there is enforcement. How, from a rudimentary point of, of, of taxation, one of the main things is that you need to collect it. Um, is it being properly collected? Um, in Nigeria, from what I know, I don't think that the systems are in place to actually collect the tax that has been legislated for. So tax is legislated for, um, but how is that collected from individuals and also from companies? So I think enforcement, I would say, is one of the key issues that we need to talk about today in terms of any regulation. So I just use tax as an example, but let's even talk about subsidy things like that like how do you even enforce these things properly how do you enforce things like loans and and um programs for like direct loans how does how that enforce how, how yeah. do you ensure that the monies are going to the right place and enforcement is is one aspect of um the regulation conversation and i also have an example you know um, from the nigerian context that i would like us to kind of like discuss um, so i think like it's it's really helpful or a really helpful example of um, the problem that we're dealing with so enforcement as you mentioned is one aspect um tax is another aspect in which like you know the government regulates um enterprise or the market um uh outputs is one aspect that they um regulate like and by output i mean like com competition so um the government has a role to play in making sure that one company doesn't have a monopoly on the market or isn't engaged in like unfair competitive price um, practices uh -huh. um the government also regulates you know processes the government regulates like um the relationship between an employer and employees um the materials in which you can use to produce anything um, that you want to make and um, sell in the market. Uh, so basically, so definitely like the government has a role to play in all these areas and more. And um, like you were saying, the, the issue often is enforcement. And I think in advanced societies, the way, um, the way government enforces like these regulations is by bringing like actions, like, you know, um, suits um, the weight of the law down companies when they, um, when I follow these regulations, oftentimes like government audits, you know, many companies, um, yeah. government audits everyone, like, you know, when you're paying your taxes, um, people like in some, depending on the industry, basically, like there are many ways that you have to interact with the government. Um, you know, sometimes you might have to get a license. Exactly. You have to account for your taxation throughout the year. Um, they have to do filings, statements of account. You know, these are organized systems in place that ensure that, when you get to, even before you get to enforcement, whoever the tax collection or revenue generating agencies are, they're able to see who's keeping up, you know, with yeah. the taxation. And I think from the Nigerian slash African context, um, you know, one of the major things we need to ask is, are these things in place? Are they rigorous enough? Um, yeah. And, and, and ultimately, yeah. to what to what end? Because you know, the question or the original like bone of attention is capitalism. Um, yeah. You know, the, the system in which 
a private actor um, is in full control of his property and is able to use that property, be it his intellectual capacity, be it his actual like um, financial um, wealth, be it his land, you know, be it his cows, whatever like capital that you have, be able to be in control of that property and the interest and proceeds that come from you um, using that property um, in the future. And, you know, we're, we're discussing like a tension that exists between that belief and the need to keep, I guess, human nature in check or um, exploitation in check and yeah. bad incentives that come from profit motive in check. Now, the Nigerian example um, I wanted to highlight was, I saw something on, on Twitter the other day, some person was complaining about how in Nigeria, uh, in order to like run a logistics business, you have to pay, like I had to pay two million naira uh, to the government to get a license. Now, this is somebody who had just been starting like his business and the claim being made by the government is that basically because you know how like in the US, something called like an NEICS code, which essentially like describes, um, it's a, a classification, I guess, of industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and Nigeria has something similar. So basically they're saying because you fall under this XYZ box, you use trucks, you have one headquarters, blah, blah, blah. This is the type of business that you're doing. Right. Therefore, your fine is like $2 million naira. Now, in a civilized society, how this message is passed across to you is that you get a letter in the mail or, you know, um, somebody sends you a message saying, oh, hey, uh, or it's in the law that this is what you have to do. But yes, in Nigeria, <laughs> in Nigeria, people from Night Post um, showed up at like this man's um, showed up at this man's like office, you know, with police, and like and like locked locked the um, the gates, uh, you know, telling that he has to pay X Y Z money before he can run his business again. And we know that like this is how, you know, government speaking of enforcement, like mm-hmm. enforces like its regulations um, in Nigeria. And this is of an example of how burdensome um, regulations it's, it's are. Um, to, in, to set up businesses and even yeah. setting up a company in Nigeria, I know is a very difficult um, process. Um, the CAC, Corporate Affairs Commission um, is in Abuja, um, which is the capital of Nigeria, not to assume knowledge. Um, Abuja is in the center of the country geographically, it's purposely done so. Um, and however, a lot of economic trade happens in the southern part of Nigeria. So from Potakot um, in the Niger Delta through to um, Onitsha in the east, through to Lagos in the west, to Benin, to Asaba, you know, most of this, the Ibadan, these are all southern in the southern part of Nigeria. Now, not to say that they're not northern companies as well, mm-hmm. but what I'm just trying to say is that having set up a company involves you going to Abuja to go <laughs> to go yeah. and register and yeah. do you, do you, in, in the age of digital and let's just you know tangentially we're talking about enforcement let's move on to ease of business right and yeah in a digital age why do you need to go by road or by air or by whatever means to Abuja you know from your place of business to go and register by paper yeah. At, at, a, at a building you know it's it's ludicrous i think compared to the uk experience we have something called company's house company's house holds all the records of all companies formed in the uk mm-hmm. um for about eight pounds i believe or so um if it's not being changed in terms of pricing you can register your company it's subject to obviously providing all the information about share start you know number of shares and who's your director and all those kind of things and a registered office address um and persons of significant control which is quite important in the uk because the director might not necessarily always be the pse pse is the person that owns the majority of the shares in the business those who have a controlling stake so you have the level of you know that can be used to enforce things for example and that's a system where you have online filing every year you file what's called a confirmation statement which is the status of your business you talk you know you talk about profits you you declare any liabilities Linked to that is HMRC, Her Majesty's um, Tax um, Collection Agency, essentially, um, revenue, um, HMRC, I think R, R is for revenue. And what they do essentially is they will link any corporation tax that a company as an entity, a legal entity is due. 
So any filings you make at company's house are shared with the corporation, HMRC. So there's a system there. And in this day and age, like you can't tell me, Nigeria has one of the most advanced, and we'll get to this, banking systems, ironically, in, in the world, in terms of when pay to pay, pay to pay, um, kind of like you can pay via like phone texts and stuff like sure, that. Yeah. It's quite advanced in that sense. And they've embraced that tech. Why can't we embrace more digitized sense, you know, styles of filings, right, for companies and setting up companies? It's ridiculous mm -hmm. that people still have to travel to Abuja, you know, to, to set up a company. When no, I mean, I, I, I think, you know, um, we, we're still kind of talking about um, the unique issues, I guess, that, that happen in Nigeria. And I think, you know, I just want to highlight again that we're trying to call out a tension, I guess, that exists in between our fundamental beliefs that, hey, the government has a role to play regulates the society, and um, this Nigerian society is burdened by um, regulation, by counterproductive, unnecessary Yeah, we're, we're evidence in that. And I, I think we'll progress further, but I think we have to set the ground because for you and I, we have a lot of knowledge mm -hmm. that we mustn't assume that everybody... Mm -hmm. has so yeah, i think it's important for context and i think moving on to the next stage let's go in with the big boys you know um we have a sort of a monopoly growing up there was a man called aliko dangote who essentially this took took the capitalism drive <laughs> and kind of when kind of used nigeria's inefficiencies in terms of regulatory control competition laws right to set up a monopoly of cement yeah. of sugar of what was it biscuits? What else did he used to do? Um, rubber, like you know, I believe he's going into oil refining. Yeah, refining now. And at a point, his market share was like in each of these areas was nearly hundred percent. He he was the good for cement. Definitely, I can say that with a fact. Like he was the number one person, and he was able to do that. Why? Because there were no kind of enforcement of the. I'm not going to say there were no competition laws because I, I can't say that for a fact because I'm not aware I was at that time when he was kind of doing his business, but they weren't enforced properly because he had the lion's share of that market um, and he was able to, in terms of, okay, the lack of regulation um, or lax regulation, he was able to use his position and his standing to reflect you know a tighter control on the market and the government didn't really step in okay yeah i want to i want to uh push back a bit and uh -huh. i guess just kind of like kind of like plant a flag and, and see if i can drill this uh drill this conversation argument a bit um starting with the starting with the derivative point i i think we would both agree but in a free market, like Dangote should be able to um, accumulate as much wealth as uh -huh. he possibly can, yeah. um, and 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 also take advantage of any competitive advantages that his large um, um, organization provides him. Now, there is a specific corruption context that I think you might be trying to introduce um, that has to do with like you know Dangote um, getting special access um, you know from the government to maybe be the sole producer of X or Y good. That I would grant you you know is is um, unfair. Um, but I would also I would also suggest that like you know um, regulation also plays largely or mostly in terms of like okay the safety of the goods that Dangote actually produces. So yeah. the cement or the pasta or the sugar that he's producing, does it poison people, does it kill people? Um, is he you know, running a sweatshop where, where kids are the ones producing all these things? As long as like those things are regulated properly, like is, is his business like um, financially, like accounting correctly, their, their profits and their losses and their expenses, um, all those things, as long as they are re being regulated properly, I think it's a complicated issue, you understand Dangote's role in the Nigerian economy. Um, and, and, I, and I want to know, like, because, you know, like, there, there are also some industries, I guess, that um, even, in, even in advanced economies, people understand that, like, it's better if one or two service providers take care of it. So, for example, in the Bay Area, or at least I, I think I know, at least in San Francisco, there is one um, company responsible for um, recycling. 
um, there's one company who provides um, power for one area because you don't want, like power is one special example, because you don't want different companies running power lines on top of each other all in the area. So there is usually one or two or three, um, um, you know, uh, market providers of like all these goods or services. And I think somebody can make the argument that Dagmate is playing that kind of role um, in Nigeria. Also like earlier, like you made a point about like data and like technology and like banking and all of that. Adoption of the banking technology you're talking about is still below, like it's, it's a lot and it's, it's, you know, it's the fastest, it's the fastest growing like sector, but it's still like um, not where it can be or should be. There's still many millions of unbanked people in Nigeria. Um, um, the companies, because I know I worked in, in one of these banks and I worked specifically like with these telecom companies, but these companies are constantly having to find ways of simplifying the technology. So the technology that you're talking about here, when so, where somebody can transfer or where somebody can go online and register and do all of that, in, in Nigeria, on Nigerian context, they're having to break it down to type in the code on your phone, start something, 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 start something, do you understand? Like make it as like mm -hmm. simple as, as possible so people can like access it. So that access and um, data adoption is not necessarily there. Um, I can see an argument for that kind of situation necessitating some kind of like control, necessitating some kind of like red tape because otherwise like there's just like chaos essentially like in the Nigerian system. Um, if you don't, if you don't slow it down, if you don't make it a bit more um, difficult to, I'm just putting an argument out there. Like some people say, this yeah, is no, no, I mean, no, I mean, like it's, it's, it's quite, it's relevant and it's building on, I think for me, you know, like I said, the context of the youth of Nigeria, mm -hmm. the fact that she's still largely, um, yes, she's educated, but they're still, uh, because it's such a young population, there's still so many um, who are not, you know, at the standard of education because of access to education, because yeah. of just the sheer size of the country. So when you talk about simplification of tech and you say that, well, it's still pretty, um, for want of a better word, developmental, um, I would counter to say that based on the age of the society as a mm -hmm. cohesive unit, um, and like I said, remember, you're comparing countries that are 300, 400 years old, countries that invested in research and development for tens and, de you know, for decades. Yeah, well, history, history just starts in 1960 now. Um, no, it didn't. It didn't. Yeah, but okay. some of, by the time Nigeria was at 1960, countries had already been at 1960 for hundreds of years. That's the point I'm trying to make. So at the point where Nigeria was like taking off and certain things were like, quote unquote, new ideas. Mm -hmm. um, those ideas were already Fair. well advanced. So I think to say, I get where you're coming from and it's because you've worked in the system and I think I'm going to flip it back on you now. In terms of regulation, let's stick to taking on, following on that point now that you make about the chaos that ensues because of the simplification and the practicalities and start this and start that. We've we've all done transfers in Nigeria, so we yeah. And the fact that many well. people still operate with cash, many people still have mm -hmm. attitudes towards technology that you know, yeah. might make adoption hard. Yeah. What 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 regulation? You know, give us three regulationary avenues to um, a uh, progressive system as it is. So in terms of we're talking mm -hmm. B two B banking or business-to-business -business mm -hmm. or person-to-person -person banking. Mm -hmm. um, so how can you make that smoother? Secondly, how can you stop any leakages in the system? So in terms of the corruption angle, because obviously the simplification can sometimes lend itself to that because sometimes accidentally you could even put somebody's wrong number in. Like you can put somebody's number in because you have yeah. to use a code. You can put in and accidentally change, you know, instead of 57AB, you put 57 one a b and then the money goes to somebody else like so what steps do you think need to be put in place so like i said number one for a smoother or to progress it further and secondly corruption and thirdly how do they educate the masses and what do you think the role of the government is which is ultimately what we're saying here because does the government have a role to play in that is this cbn 
Is it yeah. whoever regulates the banks? Who who? So, so that was actually like that was actually five things. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, this is well, this that's what happened. We have, start, we have a banker here, so we have to. But I'll start with uh, I'll start with whether or not the government has a role to to play. Um, answer to that is yes. Um, and I think like how the government or the role the government should play, I would like try and shed light on as I address the other points. Um, so the second one I, I would I would. I would say is like progress. Um, you know, on, on progress, first of all, I think, or second of all, I think the government needs to step back. Um, I think in the Nigerian context, there needs to be um, a lot of focus on making business easier to do for people. Um, I think the government, because like you know, in in many instances in Nigeria, it's it's more like a collections um, scheme, essentially. Like the government just imposes levies. Like it's it's very punitive. Um, the, the way the way they the way they conceptualize like regulation, it's like to do this, just pay the government basically, um, you know, and and they make the burden the burden be monetary instead of like um, policy. Like if, if the burden was a policy burden, like you have to set up a company in X Y Z way, you have to do things in this way that is you know oriented towards like a better outcome for society, which I guess like addresses the other one of like how do we progress. Um, that is that is like that should be the aim of. Um, regulation in Nigerian society, it should be towards how do we, um, how do we get businesses to function um, better? Not okay. How much do you have to pay in order to be able to do this thing? Um, do you understand? The government sees itself too much as a rent seeker. Um, you know, it's it's also like in the way land works in Nigeria, where the government is the owner of land, which is I guess like the um, the base the business like form of capital, like you know, mm-hmm. property. Like land ownership essentially belongs to the government in Nigeria, and the government leases land to private individuals, um, you know, for a long period of time. So, like, we need to to change the relationship that we have, like, to capital. I mean, it's funny. Sorry, just you know, this is how we see things. So, like, we always, whenever, whenever too far from a a linkage, um, it will interest you to know that all of the land in the United Kingdom is crown property. and the freeholds are granted um, to, to private citizens. So just just saying, you know, just in case you wanted to, you know, make any linkage there between um, Britain and no, yeah, it's know, it's a system that, that we were left with. It's definitely like a functional system that we're left with, but like it's not working for us. Like there are many no, things not. that there are many things that like are done. I mean, the system in the UK that are not done um, um, in Nigeria, and you know, as for the leakages and corruption, I think that there's nothing. Like that type of regulation has to do with you're yeah, talking about the justice system there. Like it has to be like the government has to be interested in and invested in prosecuting, um, you know, crimes, white collar crimes that are that happen in Nigeria. Not necessarily like you know just EFCC um, on things. People need to be prosecuted for um, fleecing the public. You know whether by like defective products or all these like MMM. Um, like um, Ponzi scheme, like things that happen. Is, and that, like is that. that a cultural critique? Is that is that a cultural? No, no, it is. is it, cultural no, no, it's it, it definitely is. And like co- corruption, by almost by definition, you know, touches on like cultural issues. Um, and I think like with, with regards to the last point that um, the last question that you asked had to do with like B two B banking. Um, I think we can use that to segue into the next like issue here like with this whole capitalism discussion in Nigeria, uh, which is that like the cost of capital in Nigeria is too high. Um, the banks are, you know, playing a cutthroat like game of chicken um, among themselves who can like make the most profits every year. And um, cost of capital is high for two reasons. First, just because it is, um, the cost of capital is high. And then also because, um, you know, People are not very creditworthy, essentially. Um, or there's a complicated idea of creditworthiness in Nigeria, um, which makes like the cost of lending very high, which makes the cost of doing business essentially high. Because in order for any market economy to thrive, credit has to be accessible. Um, and I think we we part of that has to be collateral, because like for you to borrow, like you need something to to. It's as old as the age of time. Um, you know, in order to to borrow, you need to put down something that can be collected against should you default. Um, it's it's not just it's not just collateral. Unfortunately, um, the interest rates 
like when, at least when I was in still in banking in Nigeria, interest rates were around twenty percent. Um, so not not only do you have to, um, not only do you have to put down collateral that effectively like secures the full price of of the property of the loan. Um, you know your interest of the um, your interest like during the life of the loan is expensive. Um, you know that costs you. And even even mortgages. I mean, obviously those are a form of loan as well. Um, mortgages in Nigeria are like what twenty. Is it twenty percent, if not some of them? Are it's it's 30. between between twenty and thirty percent. Um, and and so like bottom line, like credit is essential for um, credit and investments is essential for any economy yeah. to develop. And the cost of the cost of credit, the cost of capital is is sky high in Nigeria. Um, that means it's um, concentrated amongst a few, and that also that also means that like in order for progress to be made. The government who we've been complaining about because the government has the cheapest form of capital like available to anyone they can literally print money um the government has to make targeted low-cost investment or low-cost yeah. borrowing into the economy and we've established now for the first like you know, 20 or so minutes that this is a terrible government um this is a this is a ham-fisted um anyhow government um, but yet they are the only ones in a way who can um, I mean, it's, it's the, fiscal, the fiscal policy. I mean, I'm no, I'm no kind of economist. Call me more of an ardent um, enthusiast um, of, of the social sciences in general, um, and someone who likes to stay on top of his own taxes. You know, mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. so I, I, but I look at the fiscal policy picture, and I don't quite see. I, I know that when the current government came into we're campaigning, a big part of their campaign was um, diversifying the economy. So Mm -hmm. again, no assumed knowledge, Nigeria is in the top 10 oil producing countries in the world and has relied upon quote unquote black gold or liquid gold or whatever variants of that you want to call it as a primary source of revenue. one of the things that was touted was uh, the use of arable land. Um, Nigeria is blessed amongst other natural resources with arable, fertile land. And um, agriculture was pushed as this tool um, that could uniquely reach to the villages, from villages to the cities, anywhere where you can plant, anywhere where you can grow, anywhere where you can trade um, and develop proper agricultural, modern agricultural techniques, you could not only embolden and empower local economies, you could grow it as a country, you could export. Mm. And in some ways, I mean, I hear Nigeria is now one of the largest producers of rice in the world, which is quite a turnaround considering that there was a time when Nigeria was importing a lot of its rice and Nigerians eat a lot of rice. So um, there is that, but in terms of actual GDP, how's that increased the GDP? Not much, it's not really done much. You know, this is a quaternary society we're in a post-tech world, we're in a renewables energy sector now. Um, what is Nigeria doing to pivot? You know, agriculture is a thing of the past. And in, in many ways, it's a niche product. You know, yes, it, you, you can develop your agriculture, but you can't really survive as an economy. So no, okay, but like, like granted, granted that, yes, the Nigerian economy does need to be diversified. Um, that diversification, I guess, has to be like nudged like it requires like an external like push. So like, do you first agree, like first and foremost, do you agree that the government has a role um, to play in steering the diversification? They, they have, and that, uh, you know, Mr. Additional, who was, um, has played a key part. Um, he was um, the investment agriculture, but the world, world uh, I can't remember the name of the organization, sorry, but I know that there's some investments that has come in from the agricultural, into the agricultural sector. Um, and definitely the government has played a role in terms of pushing those policies, making direct loans available to farmers, um, you know, giving them the tools as well to actually go into it. But the, the issue is, I don't think they've done it in a much structured way. Like, mm. you know, where, where are the ports to take advantage of this? You know, um, for example, in Kogi, there's a confluence of the River Niger and the River Benue. It would make sense if you're increasing your arable production in the northern part of the country that a central part such as Kogi would have a port where you could, you know, 
transport the goods <laughs> to other parts of the country and yeah. out of the country as well. That would make sense. Um, you could even see links towards Togo and Lomé through the River Niger and in the Benue the other way towards Cameroon and the Central African Republic, but that just doesn't exist. So what are they actually doing? You know, where's the plan um, to make it actually profitable, like properly mm. profitable, not just, you know, oh, we've seen a rise in agriculture or, you know, we're producing more tomatoes or more rice. And I think to segue onto another topic that you, you talked about, which is very important, is investment. Um, where, 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 what do we see the government's role in terms of attracting foreign direct investment and even encouraging within the country from perhaps um, the diaspora um, investment into Nigeria? Yeah. What, what, do, what do you think the government has done in terms of their regulation there? Have they encouraged it? No, the, the, it's, it's simple, the simple truth is that like the state of the local economy okay, oh no, let me rewind the level of the level of foreign direct investment i would say is a direct reflection of the local economy um yeah. so if there is if it seems like there is fertile and ground, security sorry let's talk about things like security and, well. yeah yeah if it seems like there is fertile ground for companies to thrive um for businesses to you know make profits then foreign direct investment will come in but like if we have like we have in nigeria you know a kind of like free for all um, um, jungle system, you know, we, the level of foreign direct investment would be um, would be limited. Um, I, I, I wanted to like I wanted to highlight like you know the tension that we're kind of like exploring here between us saying that you know Nigerian government needs to, needs to take a step back um, in terms of like regulation and the fact that like they are the only ones with the capital really um, to make things happen. And oftentimes, like the way this capital manifests itself in um, Nigerian society, like you were you know, talking about, is through Nigerian XYZ of the Something Commission, Nigerian um, Local Redevelopment Ethnic Commission, Nigerian Investment Bank uh, Money for Farmers Commission, Nigerian Youth Targeted People from My Village, um, you know, money they can withdraw tomorrow commission. It's, it's, it's always set up like in, in practice. Can we can we think of like can we think of like some ways, you know, through which like the government can actually make because like say for example here in the US, um, with the CARES Act for example, the government said okay, um, um, you know, renters, um, landowners, don't charge, don't charge rent for, don't charge rent for X amount of months. Do you understand? Because the government is guaranteeing. Um, the payments of the people there, um, the government will make you whole again, or the government can control um, your ability to extract rent. The government is saying so the student loans um, don't collect, don't collect um, on your loans for X, Y, Z um, amount of time. But like, but like in Nigeria, um, and and like the way like regulation I guess like works to encourage industry also here is that like the government might say, okay, if you open up a a solar company. You know, you can you can you can sell your credit to us. We'll buy your credits from you. If you open up a, a solar company, you can take X Y X percentage of your taxes um, next year. That's how like the government like encourages like investment. That's how the government like gets things going. But like in Nigeria, it's here's a lump sum of money. Here's like a lump sum of money basically available to you if you can meet X Y Z criteria, and it ends up being like a paper pushing like. In a situation where if you can if you can get to the person you know they will just collect your own like mm -hmm. just collect your own from this thing that has been set up. but i think it all comes back to the system and i yeah what you're explaining there is a feudalistic system and mm. it comes back i i will always you know the colonial aspects and the systems left behind that mm -hmm. we and our leaders have failed to improve on or to and i think the reality is that Nigeria has to come up with its own systems and its own ways of doing things. You can't just use the old ways of, like you say, here's a lot of cash, sign it off, go and do something and prove it to us after you've spent the money, right? Or, you know, um, there's no innovation, I think, yeah. in the thinking. And that's where, you know, 2023 is coming. The Nigerian populace, they need to all look very carefully at the candidates who... Who is who has the plan, the economical plan? The, the no, okay, economy. but say for example, Tinubu, I heard him say um, that 
free school lunch or something like that for uh for everybody i guess mm-hmm. you know um if somebody could make an economic case that if parents x y z doesn't have to give you know their son 20 naira every day for school the money that 20 naira goes back into the economy it's an extra x percent that goes into um, consumption and production for everybody so maybe that's a good thing but that, that's that's like still barely scratching I think the surface that's, that's that's minimalist i think yeah and it's still and kind again, of the welfare like situation argument yeah, yeah yeah and it, it's you know like you say it's more of like a it's welfare populism. Yeah, yeah. It's kind yeah. of like I'll, I'll pander to as many people. Yes. Yeah. Like the statement he made about jobs and um, and rolling five hundred thousand youth to the army. Anyway, um, <laughs> won't dwell on that ludicrous idea. We want free markets. We want free markets <laughs> like enterprise. We want encouragement exactly. of business. Yeah. Because I mean, the thing with the school, the free school meals, a much more cogent argument would be, I'm encouraging more children to be able to attend school because some of the reasons why some of these children can't attend school is because some of them are working actually and they're supporting their family so how about instead of you can do free school meals yes i'm sure that would help in some regard but then how about you gave um a quota to those within the poverty line or below the poverty line yeah to their parents to ensure that then that child doesn't need to miss school and that child yeah. doesn't need to go and hawk and sell food Wait, for the are you family. talking about like um like ubi universal basic income like literally like um, um means tested means tested but yes i, I think there is there is ooh. and i, I mean that's, I, I, that, that, that's, that's as, I as, as a bomb you just dropped like into if i had a bomb like sound effect <laughs> i would i'll put it now I mean, the, the 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 thing is that, like I said, it's strongly means tested. I mentioned the poverty line, right? And this is where you need a very rigorous. And I don't know. Poverty line currently in Nigeria is one hundred and fifty thousand naira annually. Mm. But the government Which has the money. The government is has generous. No, but like stuff like that. I think has been done, you know, or practice. I know the Buhari, you know, government has a different point in time giving a group of people like ten thousand naira or something like no, that. No, okay. Like, so I, I'm not saying just dash money, right? I'm I'm saying that specifically with this education policy which you mentioned, which is in a way socioeconomic, because what you do is that if you encourage more young people to go to school, yes, you might have to pay a stipend, and it's a stipend. Right. Let's, the parents. Let's, you know, let's 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 um, let's let's see if we can like you know tie ribbons on this. In future, on, on one no, on one hand, on one hand, I, I agree with you that it's a stronger argument. The stronger argument is that it gets more kids in school because in the long run, um, you know, the more people that are educated, the better it is for the economy. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. So I agree with you on that one. But on but on the other hand, um, on 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 the other hand, like with with getting people like. To school and you know the, the government like paying everyone um universal basic income and means testing it how do you means test in the nigerian context because right. the way people are able to mean test here is that you file your taxes and so the government knows how much you earn right. um annually i would you know, so how, how do you find out how much everybody earns i'm not um, in tinambu's team yeah you just told me about this policy i didn't, I didn't yeah I yeah, know about yeah. Policy. okay we're arguing we're just no, no, but it ties, it and I'm just taking I'm taking this position because I think that this is the kind of innovation that lacks. And I'll give you, I will explain. I think for me, I'm I not calling for a UBI. It's, it's, it's to call out lack of innovation, but like the, the, the things that yeah, yeah, I'm giving you constrained by lack of lack of data. Um I, I want you to like consider like we're constrained by lack of data. Yes, so okay. you know, so 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 something like means testing sure it sounds like innovative but in practice how would you means test um, in the nigerian context okay yeah yeah so in the nigerian context what i'm not calling i I must stress i'm not calling for a ubi what i'm calling for specifically applies to primary school students right which is what this policy is the families of primary school families of primary school students so i think any smart economist does not this is not, you know, the story of the five blue zone. There's only, there's a finite number of resources. So what okay. you need to do is to make sure that ultimately you qualify 
but to get maximum return, right? You qualify it so that the section of society is well-defined, right? So I would say in this example, using this Tenumbu's you know, policy, to a way to show innovation, lateral thinking is to think, okay, how do we engage with those who need it the most? We're talking about primary school children. All yeah. right, are we restricting it to um, private school versus public school? Again, yeah. you cut out, if you can afford to go to private school, you don't need free school lunch. And that obviously will not always ring true. There are people who their parents probably saved up for years and years. There are people who are benefactors of scholarship who might still need it. But unfortunately, yeah. For a means testing, you have to be mean. You know, it's ironic, it's in the name. So how I would qualify it would be public school, primary school age children. So that eliminates the private school element, which is quite large in Nigeria, I'm sure you will attest. And then you have the public school. And then I would look at a poverty limit. You know, you said it was $130,000, which is high. What did you say? 130000 naira. No, yeah, I know, yeah. That's still, there's still a lot of people who don't earn that in Nigeria. So that's a very, that's a very that, generous definition of poverty. <laughs> so I would need to, I, they would need to bring that down. Like they would need to re, and economists do this all the time. Policy holders do this all the time. They will need to go and redefine what poverty means in terms of this means testing, right? They will need to find a figure, maybe 50K or whatever, right? Now, the issue is how do you reach those people? This is, and that's what you're trying to say, because in a Nigeria where a lot of people still don't have mobile, I mean, a lot of people have mobile phones, but if you go to a village, there's still people who maybe rely on one mobile phone amongst a few families or whatever, right? How do yeah. we actually know who needs this money? That's the bottom line. That's where schools come into place. And that's one of the things that we can learn is using some of the state-run um, agencies to provide information for the government. I think it's I think it's precisely because of the complications around data that you have such a poverty line as one hundred and thirty thousand naira mm. because we know we know one it's a generous definition of poverty. It's very generous. Very um, generous. But but because like you know one hundred thirty thousand naira a month still you know has you living in like a questionable part of like like Lagos or something like that. But you know um, on the other hand, people pay rent annually. Many people operate on like lump sum contract. Mm -hmm. Let me do this business and get this like, money. Yeah, yeah pay yeah. it off. Yes. Yeah. So like, so the system is different um, and it's complicated, uh, uh, basically. So it, it, it prevents like or presents a challenge, I, I guess, for people. I, I, I would argue that like you know, um, fine. It's fine to focus like on the people who need it the most. You know, the poorest in society. But I think like I think middle class is the largest like sector. I think it needs to be more um, free market oriented, more business oriented, and it has to come through the banks. Um, so instead of providing money through some, you know, um, national legislative constructed commission for um, investments, like you provide, like PPP, PPP, for example, like in the US, provide it through the bank, provide low cost capital through banks, let the banks be burdened with assessing credit worthiness. But like, uh -huh. but we're taking away the burden from them of having like a higher cost of capital. It gets you a, it gets a larger percentage of the population. But what we're talking and, about, we're in agreement. I'm not disagreeing. Yeah. If if you remember, you brought up the Tinubu, you know, policy. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I I I I just like to like you say I was providing a statement because I was thinking that in reality the banks don't really care about that proportion of the society that we just mentioned so i think there's a dual what we need is an integrated system for the unique yeah. challenges that nigeria faces you know you need to engage on that local level and even like people like tribal local leaders the chiefs these are the people that you would engage if we're talking about that primary school kind of thing right because they know the parents of the children that attend these schools they know yeah. the wards unfortunately in nigeria we have a lot of orphans right there'll be people under the there'll be children under the guidance of like elders in the village or like within off on unofficial orphanages who live with extended family with well wishes who need to benefit so i think there's a room that and there's also a room for what you've said the middle class in nigeria which is draining rapidly every mm. day but there is still a very buoyant amount of university graduates skilled um, workers middle class civil servants who like you say would benefit nigeria is a very entrepreneurial they would benefit from what you a de-risked banking system essentially yeah. where the government puts up the collateral, like you say, for the capital. So I think this is the kind of innovation. When you talk about innovation, for me, 
It's about thinking laterally. It's not about thinking, oh, we have to do one way, or we have to be this socialist utopia where we're throwing mm-hmm. out cash. No, that's not the way. Like I said, you have to means test it. It involves a lot of work. It involves a lot of work. It involves what the local government chairman actually doing in Nigeria. Like, what can we point to them doing? They will need to be engaged. Every local government come with the number of children between, once they come up with that means test, right? Who are the number of children in your LGAs? You have 776 in Nigeria. Bring your lists. Again, if you, if, if you find out, if you to... find out that the, the number of people in your <laughs> village affects how much money. <laughs> I mean, obviously, yeah. again, this is, this is, we're talking about way, way above our pay grade. But I mean, if anyone wants to bring us into government, you know, we're, yeah, we're, no. we're available. But yeah, no. like, these are the kind of, they need to integrate that with that banking idea that you're talking about. And also another issue is taxation. Taxation of those who are making millions and millions and hundreds of millions of dollars. I'm not even talking about Naira. The government needs to look at recouping monies from wealthy corporations as well. You know, I would I would argue, um, and this might be provocative um, um, things to argue, ooh, ooh, but, ooh, I would, but I would have argued that, like, um, actually, in the Nigerian context, the government needs to collect more from the masses than from the companies because the companies. Ooh. It's 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 a you went few. There, you went there, guys. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a few companies that are actually paying taxes that are sustaining. So so That's let's let us stipulate that point. like the government is stealing money, blah 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 blah. But taxation like, needs to be worked out. Income the income tax in Nigeria. Income tax if it was properly seriously with, needs to be worked in out. Payee, um, in a payee. So I don't know if you understand if you know if you have a payee system in the US. So that's tax at source of income. So before you get your gross, so there's a gross wage. And then yeah. you, you only get your net wage. Like, yeah, you know what your yeah, gross wage yeah, is, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in Nigeria, from what I've seen and what I've heard, I don't think that exists on the income tax level. No, no, I it, think it does if you work for GCB or Access Bank or... or right, you know, okay. Like places. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it, it does. But there's still many people who fall through the cracks. And that's, that's revenue. It. The, that's revenue. That's, and that's it. What, we've come Precisely. back to enforcement. We've come back to enforcement because at the end of the day, these legislations are already in place. Like you've just told me now, like you've yeah. worked in Nigeria. I never worked in Nigeria. So there's that um, knowledge gap for me, but you've actually experienced that. And you're saying to me now, it does exist. Obviously with banks, because, you know, by their very nature, they're highly regulated. So it's easy to like collect their tax, right? Because they have to show their books to the government and stuff like that. But with other industries, it's not so clear cut. Like the number of private enterprises in Nigeria, let's talk about hospitals. Let's talk about um, cinema houses. Let's talk about clubs, bars, um, who are doing very, 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 very well. Let's no. talk about logistics companies. Let's talk about food and beverage companies. Let's talk about events, weddings, um, church parties. Let's, so, yeah. so, so it's safe like to say, whole, you know, it, it's to say that, like, you know, like, like, we're asking a lot of the government. We're asking we them are. to. We're asking we, them to come. No, wait, wait, we're, no we're, we're asking them to. In the grand context, we're asking for a lot because we're asking them to collect. But to not, you know, throw people, throw somebody in a bullion van just because like they didn't pay X Y Z um, levy that they didn't know they needed to pay in the first place. So collect your collect the rent that's due to you, but like you know, be humane and actually follow the law about it. We're saying also we don't want to have to jump through five thousand hoops just to you to know get the license yeah. and just to do business. Um, but at the same time, Mr. Government, we need your targeted investment like we need your capital everywhere um and because because this is such a problem for somebody to actually do in practice that's where also like the foreign direct investments angle comes and this is where like you know this will be the last part of like the discussion because like the government has is being pulled at like many different directions um the government also has many different like um, responsibilities in society aside from like trying to make the economy work believe it or not and so foreign direct investment is important Foreign direct investment is important because it affects the relationship between foreign currencies and your currency, which also affects like your economy. Um, yep. Foreign direct investment is important because it affects geopolitics, and there are also some many soft different power. angles. Soft yeah, soft power, power and, yeah. and many different angles to it. And you know, right now in the world, um, the country or the side of the world um, making making the taking like the biggest I guess steps um, internationally with its foreign um swingings and stick around like with its foreign two parts of the world we'll say um China is yep. making a lot of like monetary investments um in Africa and in the Caribbean. That's and 
And, and I think like the Royal, like Middle Eastern um, countries are, you know, yeah. doing what they can. They have a, they have a stronghold in Silicon Valley. They have a strong, they try to establish like a stronghold in sports, you know, and, and, and soccer, for example, we're seeing. Yep. So like, PSG, Newcastle, yeah. United. Yeah, so, so, yeah. so still, still on the Nigerian um, example, like it, uh, for in itself, if you look at like foreign direct investments, in Nigeria, um, without getting into the specifics of the numbers, just looking at like the politics of it, and I guess like the geography of it, and, and like in practical terms, um, there's like a strong, you know, Chinese, um, mm-hmm. Chinese contingency, like in the, in the infrastructure, um, in infrastructure, um, yeah. Chinese financing is unique, mm-hmm. to say the least. Uh, you know, um, the type of structures that. Um, that they want to practice. Um, in my experience, um, it's 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 a bit more um, it's, it's it's a bit more, for lack of a better word, loose than if you're doing business like if you're doing business if you're getting financing from uh, European or American like. Um, it's more relationships. It's more relationship based and but more... not yeah. I mean, I, I guess like you could say that, but but at the same time, like. It's it's looser, like it's it's more loose, like it's it's just more it's just more loose. It's less. I, I think like and and tying into politics, the the conceit here is that comes with the Chinese government is that hey, we're not going to interfere with your local politics. So if if your elections are not democratic, if your society is not a free society, if you're repressive, it's not really our business. Um, we're providing you this large sum, high interest loans that would grant us control over a significant part of your economy if you should default on them. Now, the loans that come from the West, the type of capital that comes from the West, is such that, like, in order for us to do business with you, you have to not treat women like this, or you have to allow for free and fair elections. Um, mm-hmm. we're, we're, not, we're not trying to control your economy. I'm, I'm trying to gain, like, you know, um, and this is a generous, I guess, like, for anybody who's looking me that I'm like, well, kissing up to the way, so this is well. generous, like, scripture, but it's rough on the edges, but, like, it's, it kind of captures, like, you know, what I'm going for. And Francophone, many, Francophone Africans say hi, by the way. Yeah, yeah. many, many <laughs> African countries are having to reckon with the fact that, or people are starting to ask questions, like, okay, at what cost, on one hand, we want to align ourselves, you know, with, um, fighting for freedom and fighting for you know like good values blah 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 but money on on ground is important do you understand yep. and if mr china is willing to um give me you know money when i need it like in the large sum maybe i don't need to like bother myself with like all these like extra things that like the west is talking about because they have shakara too you know chinese people just is that looking at like the business like the numbers like itself so how much consideration should be given to like these like you know political things and um when we're looking at like the, the concept of foreign direct investments considering that like you know we actually need it yeah. in nigeria should we take the money where we see it or you know be focused on um, higher minded values i think nigeria that's to be honest that's and i think i, I really like the way the conversation has evolved it's it's taking on a natural um progression because at this point, I think this is the most volatile part mm-hmm. of the Nigerian economy moving forward. Foreign money can do things very quickly, can change mm. things overnight, literally overnight. Um, they can resurrect and they can reshape areas that the, the government, like you say, the Nigerian government is so stretched on so many fronts. Um, doing a lot of things, people might say, okay, they're not operating, but things still there's still things that work. There, there's still things that have to work, right? I should put it that way, rather than they work. You know, the airport is a bit of a disgrace, national airport, but it still works. Flights still come in. Um, ports still work. They're, they're, they're not enough ports, but the ones that are... They, you know, they're, they're doing still, the bare minimum. They're doing the bare minimum, right? They're, they're doing... There's a machinery of... You know, it's not a lawless society yet. It's not quite failed as a state at this point depends on what you mean by foreign state however yes. when you talk about foreign direct investment i think the conundrum we're talking about here is um obviously there's a human rights issue here there's mm-hmm. a human element here in terms of how do we treat people bringing behaviors into the 21st century being progressive 
the role of women as, as equals. And, it's an imperative and, element. And, and it, it, it's imperative for, for the human element of people who are in their child, going into childbearing ages. It's something you should be thinking about. What's the future going to look like for your children? What is the future going to look like for future generations? And if you're not progressive and you don't start to invest in those ideas, in 20, 25 years, you'll find yourself in a stagnant or potentially worse position. So I think we do need to be one, we do need to, the government needs to think about where the money is coming from and what stipulations are tied to it. Now, I think it's about building the portfolio. I mean, I mean, like, like okay, okay, go on. I think it's about building a portfolio. I, this is the answer. I think it's about looking at areas where the investment is needed more urgently, where you perhaps need to um, compromise on some of these values in the understanding that this is an, an essential need for the government. Yeah. And crucially, is, and this is why I'm saying whoever comes in next needs to have an innovative mind for business or bring in technocrats who understand the economy. How will we pay it back as a country? Because like you say, they'll borrow it to you, but they're gonna, they're gonna get their blood, um, they're gonna get their pound of flesh. So Nigeria in taking those monies, like I say, in those essential like must need areas. So like we say in areas for infrastructure, which are urgently, urgently needed on a case by case basis, they can't take those monies with an exit plan. What's the exit plan? What's the, and that's why I'm so concerned about this reliance on oil because there is no diversification of the economy. Where's the push to ensure that the talent is retained in the country in terms of the services industry? Where is the, where is the push for a Silicon Valley in Nigeria? Where is the push for digitization? It's, I'm not seeing enough of it. You see companies like Paystack being, being, being um, penalized for, for, for daring to, to be proactive. You see digital sharing platforms, you see cryptocurrency being shut down, you know, validly, valid cryptocurrency, I mean, not, we're not talking about, you know, altcoins and all this kind of crap. I'm talking about valid mining and, and things that actually can be substantiated. So to answer your point, I think there is a, always a room for Western investment. Yeah, things that encourage better behavior, better practices, because ultimately that's the contract that you have with the people that the country continues to develop its behavior, continues to move forward, continues to progress, continues to take into account, you know, um, abolishment of, of, you know, archaic customs of, of things that are not of this time that we need to progress and move as a people. But also where the money is needed, the money is needed. And, you know, that, these are the difficult decisions that um, President and his Minister of Finance or her Minister of Finance will have to, to decide upon. Yeah, no, I mean, like, and, and just, you know, in, in closing, I guess, like, we could just touch on one last aspect of how um, the foreign direct investment affects the economy, which is um, foreign direct investment versus local content. And the truth is that in practice, like the way this foreign investment comes, say Nigeria wants to build a um, state-to-state or interstate bridge. It becomes, uh, you know, they put out um, a request for bids and it becomes a case of, do we bring in this foreign company to do this thing and, you know, empower them with the um, um, compensation for this, for this bridge? Or do we contract a Nigerian company um, to do this thing? Um, now, in practice, in practice, even the Nigerian company usually end up being a Nigerian person who is charging a margin on top of whatever foreign company he's going to eventually like employ. So more often than not, there isn't the capacity by Nigerian companies to do these things. And that's how like the foreign direct investment sometimes comes. Um, foreign direct investment, FDI is an actual thing. So nobody should cut my head off for using it like interchangeably with something else. But like for the purpose of discussion, we're also including companies coming here to compete, like um, you know, in the marketplace. And you yeah. know, so if it, if the country wants to build a telecommunications like telecommunications industry or any industry that requires like some kind of technical or engineering expertise, sometimes you have to bring in yeah, if you don't have the expertise yeah. in, in your yeah. country, or if the expertise isn't developed to a standard, because ultimately for countries, a lot of the time it matters how good you can get it because things mm -hmm. need to last if it's an infrastructure it needs to last so 
it's not just oh there's a company in nigeria that can do it how well can they do it how many times have they done it before have they seen all variants of it successing or failing and i think ultimately um i think ultimately there's there's a view to be had that where that expertise is lacking then foreign you know, foreign input is what's required. Look at Dubai. Do you think the Emiratis knew how to, you know, have the expertise to, to develop culverts and develop... Yeah, and I think they have, like... Develop, you know... They have some kind of legislation around that, like, in the sense that, like, I think companies have to have, like, a certain percentage of their employees be... Um, yeah, know, there are ways. Actually, there are ways to ensure yeah. that local interests are preserved and that your, your um, you know, who authorizes, like, you know... Authorizations are given by the local water, you know, agency or electricity agency. So there's still a line of reporting that comes back essentially to the government. Yeah. So there are ways to do it. What we're saying about in Nigeria is that, you know, Nigerians know how to do these things. We go abroad and we learn all these things. We see all these things. It's putting these things into action. Mm. That's that's that that that's a lot of what this is. There are ways to hold companies accountable. Foreign companies can be held accountable. We're not talking about FDI of like a, a country now. We're talking yeah. about a foreign company, like a, you know, um, just for foreign French, investment, French, like in general. A French based, exactly, like a French based civil engineering firm that wants to bid for like an interstate bridge. There are ways to ensure that, okay, um, maybe when they come on board in Nigeria, the company that they're on board with has to be headed up by like a Nigerian, for argument's sake, like 30% Nigerian. It's ways to make it competitive. You know, there's, there's so many ways. And this is what we're saying about innovation. And um, for the listeners out there, you know, share the word. These are the kind of discussions that we need to have. And um, we need to see candidates, really, who understand and grasp these issues, you know? Yeah. And, and like, you know, a lot of us have been exposed to the Western, Western concepts. And, you know, the challenge really is to take all these things and apply them to the local context like apply them to the unique Nigerian situation, um, capitalism and, and all these like boxes, how do they work, you know, in our context, how do they apply to our situation? Um, can, can we evolve or can we, I guess, like contribute to the discourse in a healthy way? Um, this has been another episode of how we see things, um, you know, expect more uh, consistent content of this um, nature. Uh, this was fun. Yeah, no, thank, thank you, um, ladies and gents, um, for joining us today. We appreciate you, and um, we hope you've enjoyed listening to our analysis. Um, we don't claim to always be right, but we like to talk about the right things, and, you know, this is a very interesting topic, and, yeah, please comment um, below on Twitter, Instagram, um, you can watch the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or any other wherever you get your podcast. Wherever you get your podcast from, as they say. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's all from me, Dan Stark, and my co-hosts. Until next time. Thank you very much. <laughs> Good night. <laughs>